This is episode four of Millennial Apologetics, a podcast with J.J. Sass, me, and Eric Hegerman. After nearly a month away, Eric and I are back. And in this episode, we talk about a topic which we hope will resonate with everyone. It's the idea of home. So we got on this topic because between the two of us, we've lived in something like 10 of the 50 states. And so it's made answering that question, so where are you from, actually pretty difficult for both of us. And it speaks to a larger generational trend. So as geographic mobility has gone down for Americans in general, millennials actually move more often and live in more places than generations before us. And that has to do with the economy and the jobs we're seeking, but it has profound consequences on society. So Eric and I talk about our experiences living different places, how we got there, the communities we either found or didn't find, and what all of this means as millennials get older. So this is episode four. We're coming home. So I had a big, I had a big week. The right, right around the last time we recorded, it was January tenth. Was my birthday, which was exciting. Happy birthday! Thank you. Uh, but January tenth was also January tenth, twenty nineteen, was also the twenty year anniversary of the first episode of The Sopranos. Did you have you ever watched The Sopranos? I have watched a couple of episodes. You have, yeah. So I have not. I've just I for whatever reason my grandparents loved it. Uh, they watched the entire series. I, for whatever reason, I just I never watched it. And that's this is a particular problem for you for the obvious reason. It it is. So the day of my birthday, when I was expecting social media to be flooded with grand birthday wishes and people posting pictures and memories of their time with me, which is always magical and enjoyable. Uh, instead, I saw a bunch of pictures of James Gandolfini on my, on my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed. And of course it was because people were celebrating the 20th anniversary of the, of the first episode. And I realized that not only had I never watched it, but that the reason that my Facebook feed was so full of James Gandolfini was because I went to high school in New Jersey and kind of grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. And so a lot of people that I'm with whom I'm Facebook friends are from New Jersey. And obviously the Sopranos takes place in New Jersey. And so a lot of people were into the show and I, I realized that it was a, it was a lack of my New Jersey identity to have never seen The Sopranos, which put me down this long road to questioning where I'm actually from. As I, as I mentioned on our earlier podcast, you know, I was born in Pennsylvania uh, and growing up lived in Pennsylvania, California, Pennsylvania again, Massachusetts, and then finally New Jersey. Um, and then since high school have lived in Indiana, New York, California, Indiana, excuse me, uh, and New York again. And so then the question really becomes, where am I from? I'm, I'm clearly not, I'm not a good New Jerseyan if I've never seen The Sopranos, but where am I from? And I realized then that you and I have kind of similar circumstances in that identity, geographic identity. And I know, you know, having having moved around as much as you have, 
where do you consider yourself from? Because when people say, hey, where are you from? Yeah. Like, do you have 20 minutes? I have a whole story. It yeah. starts here. It ends here. And, you know, where are you from? Yeah, from there's there's Alaska? there's no elevator pitch for it, you know? Yeah. It's just it's it's too complicated. And um, we can we can get into the complication of it so that our listeners are clear on what we're talking about. But I mean, my look, you got to give an answer. And so I just say Montana. That's okay. that's that's the easiest answer. And and also, it just happens to be the case that and, and fellow Mountain Westerners uh, who have planted it, roots in the East Coast will will know this. It just happens to be the, the case. Football conference or is that the? No, that's the that's the okay. region of the country that has about a hundred thousand <laughs> residents. <clears throat> and fellow Mountain Westerners will know that a lot of it's just a lot of East Coast people have this fascination with with the west yeah and and it gives you uh an aura of uh i don't know free spiritedness and and I, I, whatever the hell else things that don't actually describe you once you get to know me but yeah, but i was gonna say but i think it's something that i mean for for me my first interaction with uh sort of the outside world was in college and uh oh god i was your first interaction with the outside world well not you in particular thank god but but you know <laughs> you're, 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 you're part of it, but 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 in college, the the answer was pretty easy because my parents still lived there, and I had I had only really lived there, um, sure. and and so I guess that just kind of stuck, and I haven't, and I haven't backed off from it. But the question, so so okay, my reciprocal question to you then is: this is something I've never understood. Um, I have a bunch of friends who are from uh, Fairfax County, Virginia. Okay. Or Montgomery County, Maryland, or Greenwich, Connecticut, or Bergen County, New Jersey. And when you ask these people where they're from, they say the name of the state that their house is in. And, and now, okay, that might seem intuitive, but if you're from like Alexandria, Virginia, you're just from DC. If you're right, if you're from Arlington, you're in a place that doesn't really exist without DC. And it's a much more like relatable, easy to pin place for for uh, people who are who are from elsewhere to just say like I'm from DC. Yeah, and I, and I would and I don't understand like like when I met you, you didn't say I'm from New York, right? Because I'm I'm not because you're not from New York. Yeah, but that's but but you're but clearly like you grew up in a suburb of New York. Okay, did, what portion of your and your wife's friends from New Jersey have parents who worked in the city every day. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm sure it's high. I don't know what the exact percentage was, but I, you know, a lot of people would be commuting into into New York City or or somewhere in the state of New York um, every day from Bergen County. So yeah, I mean it's. It, but but what's interesting about New Jersey, and I'd be interested if if the D.C. Virginia relationship is the same, is there's definitely an identity in New Jersey that yeah. to the outside, uh, to the outsider, looks very similar and and frankly sounds like in terms of the accent sounds very similar to New York, um, but it's it's an entirely different animal, and I think New Jerseyans take take pride in that identity that, you know, we're not New York, we're something different because there's just, I don't even think it comes out of resentment. I think it just, 
we're no, not it's just a different thing. It's a different thing. Yeah. So, so are you saying that people in Virginia identify as Virginians as opposed to just people who live outside of DC? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I always think my fiance and I have like half-heartedly fought over this actually. Okay. Because, because people will say, uh, like when we go down to Spartanburg, people will ask me, where are you from? Uh, and then when I say somewhere other than Spartanburg, there's this suspicion. And and her her response on my behalf is always rest in Virginia. And which is the which is the suburb that I happen to live in. I don't, right. I, I don't identify with rest in Virginia. I don't know anything about rest in Virginia. I'm not from rest in Virginia in any meaningful sense. Uh, but I and I, I don't I don't know if she does that to make it seem less pretentious or 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 what. But I mean my reaction to that has always been something along the lines of like, how can you, I, I think it's kind of pretentious to expect someone to know that that's a suburb of DC or to just like, to know, you know, what DC suburb you, you happen to be affiliated with. And so I, I always say DC now, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't done a survey <laughs> of what, of what people here tend to do, but I, I've noticed that, you know, even at work, there's, I don't know. There is probably there are probably a few traceable differences between people who uh, choose to live in Maryland and people who choose to live in Virginia. Yeah. Um, and certainly there's a big difference between those two crowds and those who choose to live in D.C. Um, the D.C. people are are in a in kind of a different world. Um, in what way? Well, they live in they live in a city. They live in in an urban space where they uh, interact with people, and the spaces that they inhabit have real identity. Yeah, um, and that's something that, like for Northern Virginia, at least, just that that just can't be said. Um, it's it, it, I I don't know how much time you've spent in Northern Virginia, but it's just it's it's um it's pretty it's pretty empty. Okay, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It's not it's not empty in the sense that there's you know there's no lack of uh, of stuff, uh, but there's not, there's not culture here. It's an, it's an anti-culture. In fact, it's a, it, it's culture is, uh, the vacuum of culture. It's so do you mean just big box stores and chain restaurants? And I like, when you say that, what exactly? Does well, that it's, mean? it's, it's partially that it's partially that no one is from here. Right? Yeah. No one, no one's actually from here. It's a, uh, it, it tends to be the case that closer to the city you get, it's more people like me who who are from someone somewhere else entirely uh and came here for professional reasons um as you get farther out then it tends to be uh first generation immigrants um, okay. to the united states but 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 no one and and they uh the immigrants have uh their own communities but they don't uh at least in my experience they don't set up stores all the time right like i and they don't really have boroughs in the same way that that there's like a little Italy or a Chinatown, and and in the same way, like not, and that's that's just the case for all of Northern Virginia. We don't have boroughs, like we don't really have neighborhoods where yeah. like you could you could like if you decided that you wanted to go to the whatever quarter or the whatever borough, you know, th there's there's nothing like that here. Um, it's all it's all very generic, and and it's it's also. I, I think it's just a, I think Fairfax County is the second wealthiest county in the country per capita. Loudoun County is the first, and that's just yeah. the west of us. I think something of, there's, there's something, there's some connection between that 
and the lack of culture. And I don't know if it's just the personalities that, that DC tends to attract um, or if it's the professions that, that happen to be here. Uh, some of it is that a lot of people around here, everyone from lawyers to like defense contractors and certainly anything with the military can't really talk about work. Yeah. And, and, and then, and then, and this is the most profound thing I'll have to say today. The, the other thing is that, okay, if you are a lawyer in Spartanburg, South Carolina, or even uh, in some instances in New York, you have clients who you actually know and interact with. Okay. And there's a non-zero chance that on any given day you run into a client like on the street. And that's surely, surely in, in smaller towns and even in sort of secondary markets like Charlotte, North Carolina, for example. It's still, things are still like relatively localized. And here that's just not the case. Yeah. I have some clients who have offices in DC, but I don't, I don't, I hardly ever physically see a client. And, and, and the same thing is true for, you know, business interactions on the other side, like on the back end of the firm. I mean, I don't, I, I don't interact. I guess, I guess the, the succinct way of putting this is the economy that I live in is totally separate from the community that I live in. But do, but do you feel as though you live in a community at all? Or do you just live in an, uh, a sterilized, cookie-cutter suburb that everybody else around you is participating in some different economy somewhere else in the same way that you are? And so while you live down the street from plenty of people, or, or I don't actually know, do you live in an apartment or a house or... I, I, I've, I've never asked that question. I, li I live in a condo. Okay. So there are people around you, but you don't, are you interacting with any of them on a day-to-day -day basis? No. Yeah. No, certainly not. I, 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 found the, I found the same thing when I, I mean, living in either Manhattan or San Francisco, or when I lived in, in Roseville, uh, which is a, a suburb outside of Sacramento in, in California. I mean, it was the same thing. I, I was living there, but I don't, I've never known my neighbors anywhere. Really? Yeah. Not even no. in New York. That that no. ru that ruins a that ruins a view that I had of New York. It's probably just because I've watched him at Seinfeld. Well, I so it's I'm actually looking out my window now at the Seinfelds the the diner that they go to uh, is is right across the street from our really? our apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm looking at it as we speak. Um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, that's part of the interesting thing. And I, I do, I wonder if this is a millennial experience that is different than past generations as, as they've kind of transitioned from, you know, youth into, into adulthood. I have never in all the places that we've lived, um, I've lived in three apartments in New York. I lived in San Francisco, I lived in Sacramento, I lived in Roseville, and now I live in a fourth apartment in New York. I've never known any of, I take that back, we knew one of our neighbors in our apartment building in Sacramento, and we only knew her because she also taught the yoga class that our, that our apartment building organized, and so we got to know her that way. Had it not been for that yoga class, we would have never met anybody in that apartment building either. And so it's just interesting that I've lived seven and a half years since I graduated. No, eight years since I've graduated. Uh, no, seven years. I can't do math. Yeah, that's right. Seven. Seven years. Um, and I've still never met a neighbor. I, I think that's 
it's wild, right? So, um, and I've lived in different types of, com- the only community I haven't lived in is the suburban house where there's a house with a yard and there's somebody next door. Um, but is that, is that not what you grew up in? It is what I grew up in. And so, I, I mean, part of it, you know, is a question of, am I just trying to live a different life than what I grew up in so that I can experience something new or I was used to that. And so I wanted to, you know, as I got older, I wanted to branch out and do something different. I, I don't know. I think there are some interesting questions there. I mean, I know our generation is often just thought of as this generation that, you know, eschews having the house in the yard and the white picket fence and the garage and the whatever for the small urban apartment. Um, and, you know, there's some, there's some truth to that. Yeah. And frankly, the, the jobs that I've had since I graduated from college have necessitated me living in in cities, but even when I lived in the suburbs and I lived, you know, a a suburban multifamily community, um, in, in Roseville, I still didn't know any of my neighbors. I just didn't see them on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I was, I was living in Roseville, but I was participating in, in, in an economy in a society, not society, but an economy or a community that's completely separate from that. Which means that in all the places that I've lived, I don't know if I considered myself a New Yorker the first time we lived here or a San Franciscan or a Sacramentan or, or whatever, you know, at any point. And, and so I think it's, it's just an interesting question uh, for our generation of so, how, we, how we live and how we choose to live. How, here, here's my question in return. Do you sense that the other people in your apartment building that you pass by on the street, whatever, do you sense that they feel the same thing and that they're living in their own worlds too? Or do you sense, do do you think of yourself as being like the other? It's, it's changed based on the different places that we've lived. I would say in New York, it tends to be, I, I don't know. I was going to say in New York, it tends to, it seems like people are, are similar in, in similar spaces or similar places. Um, in Sacramento, it was difficult, I think, because it, more people in Sacramento are from Sacramento. So they, they're not transplants that are coming with no friends and no ties. They already have their friends. They already have their communities. And so we lived in this, in this building that, you know, had a, had a pool in it. And there would be a lot of parties on weekends that people would throw, but it was clear that residents were yeah. inviting their other friends over. Yeah. It wasn't a resident is going to throw a barbecue out in the in the patio and invite for a the neighbors. Right. Yeah, neighbors were not invited. Right, it was private parties. Um, and I saw that as well in when I lived in Roseville, uh, because I wasn't really plugged into any of the community organizations there. Um, you know, I obviously didn't have kids in school. Uh, there just weren't opportunities for me to become a part of the the community in in where in, you know in the in the apartment complex where I live. So, I think in places like New York and San Francisco that are a little more transient, full of people moving in and out. I think a lot of people are in the same boat. 
you know, but I, the other thing is as someone who has moved around a lot, I've been reluctant to spend the time to invest yeah. in those friendships. Why would you, you're going to be gone. Yeah. I, you know, I, over two and a half years of living in New York, the first time I was here, I lived in three different apartments. I, I wasn't going to live in any, any place long enough to, to really build a friendship. So this idea that New York is, you know, Seinfeld or friends or how I met your mother is just, it's just wrong. I wish it were so. I wish it were the type of thing where you go to your neighborhood watering hole and you meet people and it's just like, now we have a friend group and we go over to Ted's apartment. I, I wish it were like that, but it's just not. Maybe it is for some people and I'm just antisocial, which is also a I, possibility, but it, it just, it's, it doesn't seem like my experience is unique. I, okay. So I, I'm interested given some of the places that you've lived you know, how it's been, how it's been different. Like when you lived in West Virginia, was it, was it the same thing as DC or how, what was that like? The better, the better comparator would be, well, okay. I, I got a few things here. I didn't, well, first of all, I didn't spend enough time in West Virginia to get a real sense of what it was and what it wasn't. Um, I was only there for a few months. I, when I was there, I was very isolated because I was doing a fair amount of work. The better comparator would be Winston-Salem, North Carolina which is where I did my clerkship. And what you just mentioned about having a pool party or something like that uh, rings true to my experience there. So my co-clerk was very wired in with the sort of Winston-Salem community. And he knew people there who I, I think some of whom, I don't, know if, I don't know if they were related to him, but he, he definitely had inns there you know, with people who are from Winston-Salem. Uh, and they had, like, they had parties, they went out together, etc. Um, and I hardly ever went out with them at all, um, mostly, again, because I'm a curmudgeon, not because they were exclusive or anything like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. You um, got the invitation, you just turned it down. Yeah, the, well, I, I don't, or they just stopped sending the invitation at some point. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point is that that's, that's when I started to, that's when I started to develop, you know, there's this theory out there. It's in, and in fact, it's it's weird to call it a theory because it dominates the discussion so much that there is this gap between rich and poor, um, you know, between urban and suburban communities, whatever. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's the gap. I I kind of think that the gap is between the mobile class and the immobile class. And and what I mean by that is I think the gap is between people like you and me who by virtue of our personalities or careers or some combination of the two move around a bunch. Uh, and we don't have a home. Um, that's that's what we're driving at with, with all of this is that neither you nor I, I mean, to to fill in the blanks here a little bit, yeah, I I grew up in Montana and and spent a lot of time there. Neither of my parents is from there. I don't particularly identify with the culture there. I would never run for office there. I would never, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I call myself a Montanan, but I don't really, I, I don't have uh, the insignia of that culture of those values, etc. Well, to, if you ever decide to run for office in Montana, I'm. We should probably not release this. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out of luck then. <laughs> I, I, that's. That's not the only reason, but, and, and then, you know, I went to school at a, what's, what's essentially a Northeastern school plopped in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah. Um, 
and then I ended up, uh, you know, clerking in the South. I'm going to clerk in the South again. Um, and, and I live on the East coast now. So, so I'm not, I don't, I don't have a steady home. And even if I, I've alluded to this before on the podcast, even if we were to spend like 20 or 25 years here, I don't think I would be able to call myself a Virginian or a Washingtonian. I don't, I don't think it would be home for me. Yeah. And, and I am, I think that what, what I'm driving at here is that I think there's a whole class of people of which you and I are a part that don't have homes that, that are the products of mobile uh, generations and that are, you know, ourselves mobile. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's this whole world and, and I see this and I, I'm off of social media now, but I, when I was on, I kept up with my friends from home and, and things are pretty much going along there the way that, 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 uh, in the sort of Seinfeld way, everyone knows everyone. Yeah, uh, they have a real community. It matters very much how you treat people at church or at school or wherever else, because they're you know they're everywhere. They're they're wired in with you economically. They're wired in with you spiritually, uh, socially, of course. And 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 then there's us. Yeah, you know. And and I I I kind of think that that's the most significant gap that we that we have to bridge. And I and I also uh, and. I don't. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, and I, I would want to know whether you felt this too. You know, I I have there's there's this guy that I knew in college. Uh, I don't know if you ever knew him, but he was this this guy was from South Bend, Indiana, which is where Notre Dame is. Yep. And he loved South Bend, Indiana, and to this day he loves South Bend, Indiana. And to him, Notre Dame. I mean, he was a very smart guy. He totally deserved to be there by any by any metric, but. To him, Notre Dame was like tantamount to like a community college, really. I mean, it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to the to the local school. Uh, and it, he, in a way that he felt as though he was settling by going to Notre no, Dame. Oh no, 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 no. He was thrilled to go there. Uh, it, it oh, was, it was it, just a local school. Yeah, it wasn't that. It's just like sure. the reason he he didn't he didn't apply there because it had a a good ranking on the U.S. News and World Report list or whatever. Yeah, and he didn't apply there for any particular program. He just—it was just the, the school that was sort of up the road from him, and it was in South Bend, and he's from South Bend, so why wouldn't he go there? Right, right. And so, and and he got in, and he went, and then he started practicing architecture in South Bend. Uh, is still practicing there to this day, and I'm sure he'll never leave. And 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 we used to, and I, 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 I he wouldn't mind my saying this on the air. We used to make fun of this guy, like you wouldn't believe. Okay. In the in the architecture program, because it's all of these like you know architecture students, and I, and I don't I don't meet these criteria, but they tend to be like second or third generation wealth. Uh, you know, the family is sort of settled in enough that you can do something sort of indulgent like architecture instead of having to make money. Um, and and it's you know these artsy people who are very a lot of a lot of them were international, and and the ones who weren't had traveled a lot internationally, and uh, and and we're all just kind of snooty, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we make fun of this guy. Wait, and you're saying you're not snooty? No, I'm, just, I'm a man of the people. The record. I'm a man of the people. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And right. and so it, and and well, regardless, I we would we would just berate this guy for like being from South Bend, for wanting to stay in South Bend, for not exploring anything more, for not having enough uh, ambition or curiosity or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, I I think all forty two, forty three of us really envied the guy yeah a lot and i envy him a lot 
I, I, when I see pictures of his kids on Snapchat, I am, I am envious of that because that guy knows where he belongs and he is, there is not a single doubt in his head that he has found the right place to be and the right thing to do. And I don't have that. And I don't know if you have that either. And I also don't know if either of us ever will. No, I, I, you know, I came, I, I loved living in California. I loved the weather. I, well, I didn't love the weather in San Francisco, but I loved the weather in Sacramento. And Sacramento is a great, is a great city. It's a, it's a great place to live. You know, there are some of the best coffee that I've ever had is in Sacramento. There are great restaurants. You're close to Tahoe. You're close to Napa. You're close to Sonoma. You're close to the coast. I, I mean, it's a, it's just a fantastic in, place. In other words, you're going to run for office there. Well, no, but here's the thing is, you know, we lived there and there was just, it just, to, to the point that you made, it felt like the type of place that, you know, we could live there for 20 years and it would just never be home because we were not from there. Our families were right. all still on the East Coast. Right. And, you know, Christina's family is all in uh, in New Jersey and mine was in Pennsylvania. And so it just we're not from there. There's no there's no flag there. Now, we could plant a flag and maybe, you know, we moved there when we were 24. Maybe if we lived there for the next 60 years at, at 84 years old would you know and and we had kids and grandkids and like you know the whole then, then maybe your grandkids are well, in there yeah and then maybe and then maybe it feels like home but i was always envious of the people who had their families there and who were from there because i i understood why they wouldn't necessarily want to leave it was a great place to live and their families were there and that was their identity and they grew up going to Kings games with their, you know, moms and dads. And, and it was just, that's where they were from. And, and it was interesting living there and seeing it and thinking that it's attainable because I'm here and I, I, all I have to do is flip the switch and make it happen. Right. And I, and I flip the switch and we live here, we can live here forever, but knowing that it would just never feel for us the way it felt for them. And so, you know, as we've moved around and then we we moved back to the East Coast and we're in in New York again, the the place that feels the closest to home is actually when I go to my in-laws house. Um it's been the one one constant in my life for the last seven and a half years. And it's also in the town where I went to high school and grew up. And so you know, back in September, I was invited by my my old high school to come give a speech to, you know, at their teacher opening day. Um, and so it, it was like, oh, I, this is what it feels like to be home. But even still, there's a part of me that feels like I'm not totally of Mawa. I don't, you know, I, I wasn't born there. I, I grew up there for a lot of my life, but not all of it. My other than, you know, my in-laws, I don't have any of my family living there anymore. So it's the closest. And I think that's why the James Gandolfini and, and the Sopranos thing kind of hit me a little bit. Was it for the last couple of years, New Jersey has felt like the most home to me. Um, but I still don't know if it if it is right. It's the closest. But I don't know if it actually is home. And frankly, I don't know if it's if it's a place where I will ever end up living again. 
And I think that's, to your point, I, I, I'm not sure where home is. And maybe part of being in the position that we're in is we both just have to accept that we're not going to find that. But that's just a, that's a frustrating and, and uh, defeatist way to live life. I think, or I mean, I want to know what happens to to our kids not not just yours and mine in particular, but like our generation's kids. Yeah, right. What do you What do you do if you have nomadic parents? Now, I I, I might. But, have... but, are, but are they going to be nomadic? I was a nomadic kid for the first nine years of my life. Right. I from first grade to fourth grade, I was in four different schools, yeah. um, but eventually. My, my mother put her foot down and my father wanted to keep moving places and my mother put her foot down and was like, we're not doing that anymore. So maybe part of the answer is at some point you have to plant a flag, right? At some point, moving your kid from school to school to school isn't is no okay. But, but I guess here's what I mean. And I think, in fact, I might be positioned to speak on this because I, I think I might fall into the class of people I'm about to describe. What happens when it's not so? Yeah, okay. You you plant your flag, and you stay somewhere for twenty two, twenty five years, right? Yeah. Maybe you retire there. Maybe you don't. Um, and then what happens to your kids? They don't. You know, they don't stay there. They don't have roots there. They don't have cousins there. They don't have. You know, they might. Right. And, and if your siblings are spread out, you don't necessarily. That's and 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 the reason I say I might be able to think on that on my own is that that was the case for both my parents too. Right. Or I think I think my um on my dad's side, my dad's dad left the Midwest or the, excuse me, not the Midwest, but the Mountain West, um, ended up in the Midwest, left the Midwest, ended up on the West Coast. Um, and then my mom's side, my my mom's dad left the Midwest uh to, to well to go to Vietnam. When he, got, when he got back he went to Texas, um, and then somehow ended up in Montana. So so my parents were both raised in the same sort of nomadic way. Yeah. And so, and so maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe what, I, what I'm saying is that my, my siblings and I would then be sort of second generation nomads. Right. Yeah. In the same way that, cause it might, my, my sense is that at least on your, I've, I've heard of your mom's side of the family tree and they're, yeah. and they're pretty like, they're pretty heavily Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. So they, they, I'm trying to think of the generation. I, I I used to know this better, but I'm trying to think of the generation where they, where the various parts of my family tree came over to the United States. But it's probably like three, four generations ago, five generations ago, something like that. Um, most of when oh, most of them came in through New York, and then uh, funneled into into northeastern Pennsylvania, and that's kind of where most of my you know, it's where my grandparents are from. It's where my mom was was raised in in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, and that's kind of where it goes. Um, are they are they Scots Irish? They're not. Uh, my mother's mother is Slovak and Lithuanian, and my mother's father uh, is Italian and Greek. Uh, and so, you know, the combination of those four fam those four branches of the family tree, generally through New York, but converged in. Uh, in Schuylkill County, which is in Pennsylvania's coal region. And so, you know, it was the coal mining jobs that, that attracted my family there. In fact, my grandmother, her father was a coal miner. And so she is the, the, I might've said this before, but she is the literal, uh, 
example of uh, Loretta Lynn's coal miner's daughter. Huh. Um, yeah, but that so. Anyway, the point the point is so they're, they're all from Pennsylvania and have been there for for some period of time. My father grew up in Pennsylvania as well, um, but his parents were both somewhat nomadic in that his mother was from Brooklyn and had been she was Irish uh, and had been in you know kind of the Irish section of Brooklyn her whole life and I think for a couple generations. And then my dad's uh, father is uh, or was from Kentucky. Uh, from Louisville, Kentucky. And that is where he and, you know, three or so generations back had lived. Uh, in fact, the, I might have told, I think I've told you this story before. My great grandfather, after whom I'm named, uh, Joseph John Sass, was the, uh, was the, started as the, the secretary and treasurer and ended up becoming the president of Old Kentucky uh, Bourbon. Yes, uh, I knew that. Which, which became, uh, he actually sold the company in 1940 uh, to Brown Foreman, who turned it into early times Kentucky whiskey, which for something like 50 or 60 years was the official Kentucky whiskey of the Kentucky Derby. So fun fact. But, and, and more importantly, for like four or five years was the official whiskey of Eric Dean Hageman. <laughs> which, you know, it, it's actually not that good but i always felt compelled oh well okay i no hold on a second i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to pause you here because really this is important to me i so (laughs) i i don't know whether i started drinking early times because of that story i I knew that story beforehand and among my architecture friends i was legendary for my obsession with early times when we would go out i would drink a fifth of it every time we went out and i listeners can't see me i'm a big burly german guy and so i can drink a fifth of of booze and not be okay easy out of hand drunk but but uh no it's so okay this stuff is cheap uh it it was it was 8.99 for a fifth uh at the relevant uh liquor stores and uh it comes in a plastic bottle the label is nothing to write home about it is honest to god i think in a blind taste test it could hold up to blandness okay that's I think it's I think it's actually very good whiskey. And and if nothing else, it is an excellent mixing whiskey. If for you, Long Island iced teas. Or, or for just I mean my, my thing was like a Coke and a, a Coke and whiskey. That was like and, and, and I honestly I don't I don't know if there are many people in the world who could tell you the difference between Blanton's mixed well, I guess you wouldn't mix Blanton's with Coke. Uh Angel's Envy mixed with Coke and, and uh early times. I'm sure I'm certainly not somebody who could tell you the difference. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that you're I, not that we are in any way related to it anymore. But uh, I, I'm I'm glad that you're keeping up my family heritage. Take take your endorsements where you can get them. <laughs> Today's millennial apologetics is brought to you by Early Times Whiskey. So anyway, so yeah, so my my father was from Pennsylvania or is from Pennsylvania, but you know, obviously his parents were from were from elsewhere. So. He he moved a little bit when he was a kid. I think he lived in St. Louis for a period of time, uh, kind of lived in Pennsylvania, then St. Louis, then back in Pennsylvania. So, you know, that for me growing up when I was when I was very young, that seemed like home. But, you know, we I was seven, seven Pennsylvania eight, did. Pennsylvania did. Uh, but I was seven or eight years old when we when we first moved, um, you know, and started bouncing around. So, it, you know, it, and I think that's been, that's been the question 
since is is where am I from? When I when I lived in New Jersey through high school, it still felt like Pennsylvania was home. Um, but then when I left high school and went to college, New Jersey sort of felt like home. And then you know, as I've gotten older and moved around, that that question of home has been has been shaken again and again. The the question that I have, I guess, for you, and it goes on some of the idea the idea of the identity of home is what sports teams did you grow up cheering for? If oh any? man, this is such an interesting question. So if you uh, there are these maps that you can just Google, and they go county by county. They take the whole United States. And they map it out by college football teams that you support, pro football teams, pro baseball teams, whatever. Yeah. NBA. And in every other state in the country besides Montana, there is not, not obviously there's not always one predominant team, right? But there's a, there's like a trend, right? Like you can, so even in New York. You can divide up the Jets counties from the Giants counties, right? Yeah, and, and that's definitely true, especially in baseball with the Yankees and the Mets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 the two bizarre things about that map are one, there are just random Notre Dame counties everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like like in rural Texas, there will be <laughs> a big ND. You're know, like, what the hell did that come from? And the second thing is that Montana is just a, a giant cluster. There's there's not a single predominant team, and there's no there's absolutely no geographic sensibility to it. I think there's a Giants county somewhere in Montana. I don't. I don't. New York, the the football New York yeah, Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the New okay. York Football Giants, man. Uh, and and then there's and and there's I mean there's a fair amount of Vikings, Packers, Broncos, and Seahawks, which would be the the closest. Yeah, that, that, that makes teams. sense. And, and and probably in the eastern side of the state, which is which is basically North Dakota, you you probably have like a fair number of Vikings fans um who are like legit Norwegians. <laughs> uh it, like my favorite they were my favorites growing up. Uh but there's but yeah, there's just absolutely no coherence with it. I I mean I grew up uh with really no professional football affiliation. Um, my mom likes the Cowboys. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she grew up in Texas. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then my grandpa, her dad is a Packers fan. And so when I, when, if, if I'm put to the, if I'm asked like in a professional setting or in any other setting where it would be kind of douchey to say, I don't really follow pro football. <laughs> I just say I'm a Packers fan. Okay. Uh, because I, I can come up, I can pull some reasons out of, various or if I, you uh, you share the same love of brett Favre as did john <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah that's that's right <laughs> uh and so i'll go with that and then we would i we went to rockies games occasionally growing up but denver is like a 10-hour drive um and that, that, and just that was really about it. On the, like, what are we going to do this weekend? Let's do a rock <laughs> No, we never did that. We we went. To, I, actually, we might have only done that once. Now that I think of it. Like, <laughs> so, so this is not something you did growing up. No, but well, other others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, others, <laughs> others would. Others would. Others would go to. I had I had friends who would go to Twins games like over a weekend. They would okay. drive to Minneapolis, and that that was similarly probably. What is that? That's like six hours. Eleven. Seven hours. hours. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's the the West is a big place, man. People 
people people out here do not get it. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a big play. I I mean the joke that we had is that so so for basketball our uh our state championships were always in western Montana up in the mountains. Okay. And they would often be like an 11 hour drive such that it actually would have been more convenient for us to have our state championships in Denver. <laughs> two two states away and and not small states. <laughs> Yeah, I, so so your answer is you didn't really have any no. pro sports teams that you cheered for growing up. No, not really, no. And yeah. the other question is, do people in Northern Virginia, are they Washington sports fans or are they so transient uh, that they just support teams that are yeah. from wherever they come from? Um, my, uh, my pastor, who's from Minnesota, has become a Washington Capitals fan. And and like a serious fan to where he goes real to real original after they win the Stanley Cup. Uh he's been here for seventeen years. I would imagine he's been a fan for all seventeen <laughs> of them. But yeah, it's, I mean, they're okay. Some people, yeah, some people will switch over. Usually, people with kids. Okay. Um, and and that makes sense to me. If you're a sports person and you want your kids to be raised around sports, then you know you're going to pick what's local. Um, sure. There's not a lot of God. I'm not the right person to ask. I. It, my yeah, my sense like it. in my sense of my at my firm and like at church and stuff I, I i don't i don't think people really washington is not a good sports town to begin with right we're all a bunch of nerds and it's a lot of, like it's a lot of military people and otherwise transient people and we're, we're just not really we we don't part of it is the geographic problem of like we don't really have a home base and then part of it is just i don't think it's a lot of i mean i don't think people really care about sports i i will say that for whatever reason Maryland, like the Maryland side of the DMV, like the Maryland side of the commuting corridor, uh, definitely has a lot more Redskins fans than the Virginia side. Really? And, yeah, and it doesn't seem like it should really matter that much because it's not like it's, you know, I, I'm not too, I'm probably 40 minutes from the stadium from FedEx Field right now. Okay. Um, and if you were in like Montgomery County, you yeah, you might be 30 or, <laughs> or 25 minutes. Right. Um, but but for whatever reason, there tend to be more Redskins fans up there. Hmm. It's it's just not a good, it's not a good sports town. The Capitals are like, even you know, okay, the 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 arena kind of sucks, and it's just not a it's not a great setting. The Redskins, it's a pain to get out there. Yeah, and it, I, I I haven't I actually haven't been to a game, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't pay the money to try it out. Um, <laughs> And then what's the baseball team? I'm embarrassed. The Nationals. I've been to I've been to a couple of Nationals games. The stadium is it's not it's nothing to behold. Um, it's a good summer intern event because it's cheap, and so you get dragged to you know at least a a couple of them over the years. But I don't think anyone is like really jonesing for the experience. Right. That's just not really what we what we do here but that kind of goes into the broader problem of dc which is that it's just not a real city you know it's not you know there's really the the vacuum that i described earlier about you know when i was talking about northern virginia applies probably with equal if not greater force to dc as a whole yeah to where there really just isn't like there's just no coherent culture It, it used to be and even relatively recently was a southern city it, it's only been within the last 10 years that the united states senate has done away with seersucker fridays between memorial day and labor day and that was that was not just like a 
It was, it was during the government, the, the most um, kind of the first government shutdown of this era, right? Wasn't know. that I, when it was when it was discontinued? I, I don't remember. I think I actually think I might have been I might have been working for the Senate when it was. I remember I remember thinking about it. But whatever the case, you know, now when it was discontinued, it was just an excuse for douchey frat boys from Connecticut to wear seersucker. But, <laughs> but when it was spent, people didn't realize like when it was when like back in the day, that was like an unironic, serious thing. Right, <laughs> that United States senators did, and not just the Southern ones, you know. And and there are other ways in which D.C. was a Southern city, and you see you see hints of it, um, just in the sheer inefficiency of the thing, um, and the and the like of the actual locals, the the truly insane and unbelievable lack of work ethic. Um, <laughs> But it, it, the the best line that I've ever heard about DC is, uh, and and then I'm going to stop talking about it because I'm pissing a lot of people off. Is uh, it's uh, Southern efficiency with Northern charm, <laughs> uh, and I think that's about right. And now that we've alienated every <laughs> DC listener, I, I I think that's a I think that's a good place to stop. I I don't. What else can you say after after that?